In this week's discussion, we get a dark echo of what we've had being portrayed in the previous weeks. But beforehand, just to give a framework to our discussion, we are going to discuss the nature of a family and the realities that come from a family and what principle is being illustrated this week. And second of all, we're going to focus in. We're going to focus on in on the actual family in question and see the way they acted, questionable as it may be, isn't simple and what principle is being articulated there. As a point of general housekeeping in terms of the podcast itself, those of you who listen to it on WhatsApp and those of you who listen to it on any other podcasting app, I would really appreciate it if you were able to share it to people you think would enjoy it because well, I get encouragement when more people listen. So um, if you could, I would really appreciate it. Once again, thank you very much for your continued listening. Now back on track, the family, the story of the Jewish family, that being an ideal that Yaakov was striving towards, that ideal that has been portrayed as being as hand in hand with the Jewish mission. I mean, the whole story of the history of these chosen people has been under the rubric of the family. This has been the symbol of the Jewish people. We are called B'nai Yisrael, the children of a family. And it's interesting, this idea really does expand beyond normal conventional religions. The Jewish people are a tribe, they're a, a people, a family. And that really does live out today in today's society, meaning someone who's Jewish but doesn't necessarily share your religious views or your metaphysics, they, they're still part of your family. And like every family, you can join a family. And you can leave a family. You leave a family of Jewish, I mean, you stop identifying as being Jewish for long enough. Eventually, you will be lost to the Jewish family. And those who spark an interest in Judaism can join this family. But in this week's parashah, the part of the Bible that the Jewish people are reading in synagogues this Saturday, this Shabbos, is an interesting one because we see a dark side of this. And in a weird way, it's kind of validating what do we have in this week's parasha? We have Yosef, we have the brothers, we have this enmity, we have this anger, we have this fear, we have this jealousy, we have this desire to kill, we have this desire to uh, get rid of one of the siblings of the tribes of Israel. Now this is a dark side of how families can develop, but from Rav Hirsch's point of view, of at least the way he opens up, this symbol of the family is only true if it actually reflects families on the ground. Meaning, the description that we get is of one brother, Yosef, whose father favours him. Now, that's not healthy. And we know that's not healthy, but we know that happens. And Yosef's past is, is troubled. His mother died. He never had a mother, per se. There's jealousy amongst the brothers for the different wives that Yaakov had and the relationship he had with the different wives. Which one was the favourite? Which one was the ideal and which one was not expected? All these weird inter-family politics that you can imagine existing in your own family, and some of us have it more than others, but these sort of things exist by definition of a real family. And the Torah portrays this family as the starter, as the, the predecessor of the Jewish people, and it is fascinating how real and grounded this portrayal is. It's almost a message of hope, because we're going to end on a message of darkness, but the message of hope is that the, the family that you may have, that you may not think is perfect, or you may think is broken, the first family of the Jewish people, the family was also fractured. The family was also troubled. But this was the family where it all began. And the Torah, or the body of teachings that Judaism offers to its people, and to the world at large, 
is taking this into account, meaning the point of the Torah, the point of Jewish law and the Jewish way to become or to mold yourself into being a person who has as their center justice and righteousness and wants to be this sort of beacon, it wouldn't be a realistic or the Torah would never be taken seriously by anybody throughout history, unlike the way it has been. It has been hoiled up as a beacon of, 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 of inspiration and moral insight. Why? Because it portrays humanity as it truly is. It portrays us on the ground of how we truly are. And then, through education, through work, we develop ourselves along a path, along a path of righteousness, a path of justice. The point is that the Torah is trying to mold us. The Torah is trying to mold us into a type of person with the recognition that we're not there to begin with. So to sum up this very simple point, I suppose, is that the Jewish family, as it's portrayed in the in Genesis, is along a path. This path is a path of development, but it does not hide the realities of family life from us. It doesn't hide it and say that, no, the ultimate family is the perfect family. No, the beginning family, the family that began the Jewish people, was a fractured family. But the point of the Torah is to mold us. The point of the Torah is to say that reality may be this, but that isn't the way it necessarily should be. And the Torah, as a body of law, as a body or a system of teaching, through education, we mold ourselves into a different person. But now let's focus more closely. That was a broad perspective on the nature of the family and the reality of the family on the ground. But let's talk actually about this family right now. Because looking at this family from a global perspective, we gain one message, one insight, one symbolic representation. But if we look at them on the ground, we gain another in a radically different direction. If we take it as it is given, that the brothers of Yosef, they hated him. The way he acted, the way he portrayed himself, he came across with dreams of grandeur, dreams of being king over them. And they secluded themselves and they left him and they brooded over their anger towards him. And the intent that they had drawn up was to kill him. Now, we could take a simplistic approach and say, well, didn't you just say, didn't you just say, Simi, that um, it, was, it was a fractured family? In which case, what else can you expect? Yes, but that's only taking half the story. Half the story is that, yes, these, these are real people. But then again, if we take the story on its own grounds, these are still the children of Yaakov. These are still the children or the grandchildren of a heritage of kindness and love in a way that had never been manifest before, in which case we have another question. What were they actually thinking? Let's try and uh, appreciate the psychology of where they were coming from, and thereby we can gain an appreciation to what message is being portrayed. So Rav Hirsch asks this question, but he, he strengthens the question. Later on, when they face their brother Yosef, after they've sold him into slavery, well, not them selling him into slavery, but either way, the fact is he's sold into slavery and he's in Egypt and eventually, after a bit of a journey, he becomes the vizier over the entirety of Egypt. At which point the brothers go to him to collect food once the famine has hit where they live and they face him and eventually the truth comes out that the brother they hated, the brother they sold, is now the key for their redemption and their saviour and they still don't regret what they did. That's the key. They never regretted what they had done to him. They regretted not taking pity on him. They regretted the, uh, the lack of empathy they showed. They regretted the fault, let's call it, on their character in their approach to him, but not what they did to him. Why is this the case? Rav Hirsch says that the case or the idea that's being illustrated here is the, the deep fear that Yosef lifted out of the brothers. Once he told them their dream about being a king, they didn't pay much attention to it. 
jealousy or hatred, th th those ideas weren't grounded quite yet. But the second time, where their father Yaakov looked at the dream as well and took it seriously, well, what started as jealousy of their father's affection for this son, jealousy which led to hatred, now finally led to fear. Fear, that is a genuine concern, because what did they fear? Unlike the old adage that fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate. In this situation, we got jealousy, which led to hatred, which finally, with justification, led to fear. Now, fear can drive man to do many things, but what exactly did they fear? They feared the idea of kingship, the idea of tyranny, the idea of oppression, because what is their framework when it comes to kings? Yosef is proclaiming that he will be king. What do they know of kings? They know Nimrod, they know Aesov, Aesov and his family, a nation of kings. The four kings and the five kings, war, blood, tyranny, the, the, um, the, the taking away of man's freedom, the taking away of man's ability to drive his destiny forward. The idea of a king, the idea of a tyrannical ruler, that spells the end and devastation to the Jewish mission. A mission that really, by definition, focuses on man's independent autonomy. That man is choosing to take the way of God and put it as his badge, as his flag. That idea is destroyed by the idea of tyranny and by the idea of everything going towards the king and the king being the goal. This has never been the Jewish way. The concept of a king was never considered an ideal. I mean, this idea is debated to a certain extent, but the idea of a king, as it's mentioned in Deuteronomy, you can have a king like the nations of the world. The idea being that ideally we should not have a king. A king, from a Jewish point of view, is a concession to the weakness of the people. But the idea of a king, in its rawest sense, is an idea of tyranny. An idea of the taking away of the freedom of the individual, the destruction of the Jewish mission, to lishmar derech Hashem lasoi sedekum mishpat, to guard the way of God and do justice and righteousness. To be this blessing that their forefather was called upon, that is destroyed by the idea of kingship and then by the idea of tyranny. And this the brothers saw in their brother. This they saw in Yosef. They saw this budding terror, this budding dictator, and this they felt it was their duty to stand against. So to recap our two messages, the first message is the groundingness of the biblical narrative in terms of family and the reality of families on the ground and how this reality is validating to families that we ourselves are trying to bring. We are trying to bring families into the world, but families are not perfect. But through education and through work, that is the message of the Torah. By portraying the families of the Jewish people, the ancestry of the Jewish people, as being less than perfect, they are, in fact, giving us a model that can truly be mirrored. And second of all, we heightened our focus. We zoomed in on the case itself and asked the question, notwithstanding the reality of a family, what exactly is going on here? What exactly is going on with this family? How can it lead to such anger, to such devastation? And the answer we gave that when we appreciate what's going on, and what had developed from the point of view of the brothers and how they thought Yosef was coming towards them as a dictator, as a tyrannical king, as one whose goal it is to take away freedom by definition because that is what a king is in its truest sense. The king is the one who has the power. The king is the one who rules, the moishal, the one who the goal becomes himself. This, the brothers 
knew what a king meant. And that was the pattern of king that had led through the Jewish history or the history of the world until this point. From Esau to Nimrod to the four kings, the five kings, and the danger and the devastation that is led through those ways of approaching the world. I hope you have a wonderful Shabbos. I probably am not doing a podcast next week, but in the week or the week after that, we will um, catch back on. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.